Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. All right, we are continuing on with our uh, 2021 opponent preview series as the 2021 season chugs steadily closer, although I do feel like we're about to hit that point of the offseason where it's just like, we've been we've been like, oh wow, it's getting so close, like we're we're almost on the season, and then we're going to hit about, like, July 15th and be like, how are there still, like, seven more weeks? Hey, no, 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 it's, it will get, it's July now, and then Rice didn't kick off, or was it October 24th last year? <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> like, so having to wait till September, that's gonna, that's gonna feel like a breeze, right? And well, if it how doesn't, much, How much longer no are we work. gonna get, get mileage out of, at least it's better than 2020? Because uh, I, I feel I like know. we're going to be working off that in in all aspects of society for a little bit. Like, how many you know, times did we wrong. say unprecedented last year? Probably yeah. that amount of times. <laughs> um, but we do have a little news to get through. Some um, some big roost related news, and also some big just general college sports related news uh, before we bring on our guest for the week. So, yeah, exciting the. 2021 Rice football season preview and the Conference USA previews are done and ready to hit the presses. So uh, this podcast is being released on July 1st. Uh, Y'all can go ahead and start uh, counting down the days. July 7th is the launch day for that preview. And if you follow us on Patreon, you're already plugged in and you'll be knowing that. Uh, If you don't follow on Patreon yet, here is your the, the best opportunity you'll have this year. Uh, subscribe today first time subscribers in the month of july you get the preview for free so it's 150 pages five pages on every rice opponent we got graphs statistics featured stories depth charts that that there's something else in there right carter did i miss anything important uh <laughs> lots man, so many things yeah um it is it is remains to me a, a shock every year when uh, I get my copy of this and look through it and be like, good Lord, Matt, how did you put this together? How much time did this take? Um, I didn't sleep. <laughs> that, for those of you who answer. have not, have not <laughs> purchased a prior year's copy before, it is truly like a staggering amount of info. One of the, um, honestly, I think most incredible projects in, in CFB media that's gone out the last couple of years. So, uh, do not pass this opportunity up. If you uh, are interested at all in any of anything about Rice's program or about the the teams that they play this year, this is this is your go-to resource. Thanks, man. Now we just need to get a current student athlete to promote it, right? Isn't that the uh, is that the perfect segue yeah. <laughs> into <laughs> right? Exactly. I'm kidding, but I'm not. Lots going on in the college football. New, I guess it's not college football. It's it's everything. Yeah, um, and I actually saw that uh, the current projection for the athlete likely to make the most of uh, name, image, and likeness rights, as we're uh, we're, we're segueing into, is uh, an LSU gymnast. So, yeah, I saw something about her having the only only college athlete that has a million plus followers on two different social platforms. Apparently, she's like big on TikTok. Oh. Ah, I don't, makes, I don't TikTok. I'm not with the youngs. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I don't, even, I don't know how to TikTok. I also saw a thing where um, 
uh, I can't remember if it was an Iowa or an Iowa State player, uh, but a basketball player at one of those schools was doing a like uh, an, a, like a an, an event, like a autograph signing type thing at a fireworks stand in That's Iowa. That's awesome. Why so, not? Yeah, like the bar is is being set for like amazing synergistic sponsorship opportunities here. So. Yeah, and so I guess to to back up, and I, I'm I'm gonna try. This is a very confusing thing, so I'm I'm gonna try my best to kind of get across. So name, image, and likeness is is the uh, if you've been plugged into college athletics, you, you probably have come across this at some point. If you're not, it's basically an athlete's right to their person and being able to monetize that as they will. If you are a a PhD chem student at rice for example and you want to go tutor people uh, that's always been an option to you uh, if you are a, a kicker at ucf for example and you want to post trick shot videos of you kicking a football crazy ways that's not been allowed because up until uh, the i guess tomorrow well today july 1st when this is getting released uh, athletes had not been able to monetize their name and that policy is now shifting i saw i think there are 20 states that have a some form of NIL legislation that is in in the works. Seven began on July 1st, and the NCAA has kind of cobbled together some sort of mumbo-jumbo in between. That they the, dropped it just like the absolute last second, despite it being so obvious that they were going to lose this battle legally for a solid like five or six years now. I wish I like, could credit the right person, but they said it feels a lot like college, where you came in at the last minute and threw something together, and voila, that's the. Oh yeah, this life. is deeply like me senior year for like the one English class I took this that year, like writing the paper at five a.m. four hours before it was due. Like, yeah, so it'll be interesting. It'll be something that we'll have to follow. We, I don't really foresee that. Do you? picture any direct impact on on rice no not anything um it's like i i know a bunch of schools have released like public guidance for for bands and boosters and stuff like that um i'm sure rice has briefed their student athletes internally on this type of stuff but i don't think this is going to be like apparently there were congressional hearings because there's there's you know talk about we there really needs to be some sort of uniform scheme for this whether it's the ncaa or, or actual congressional legislation or something like that and someone was raising concerns that oh the best connected schools with the the, the most resources are going to get all the good players like, wow that's never happened before in college <laughs> athletics what new. a weird and strange <laughs> thing what a disaster that would be yeah so, so the, uh, I, the five I star think it changes much in terms of like the landscape or balance of power in college athletics. The five-star kid that went to Alabama over Rice is still going to go to Alabama. He's now just also going to have a shoe deal or something. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So we'll see. That's something I'm sure we'll have just crazy things that come out of this. So we can kind of update as we go forward. Yeah, I'm really hoping we get we get some some rice athletes doing some really off the wall sponsorship stuff. That would that would very much make my day. But um, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Um, it's an exciting time. I think this is a change. It's been a long time. It's it's funny the degree to which 
public opinion on this part of athlete compensation, at least, has kind of gotten so uniformly in favor of over the last couple of years. So I think this is a thing that just about everyone has been um, saying was the sensible and right thing to do for a long time. So it's good to see it happen. But, you know, from a fan perspective, I don't think it changes a whole lot if you're, you're looking for this to have some massive impact. But we're happy about it. Yeah, I think it'll be a plus. A plus. All right, and we are here now with our guest, Ben Carlisle of Lead Tech Blue. How you doing, man? Oh, doing pretty good. How y'all doing, fellas? We're good. Just trying to solve uh, name, image, and likeness and s- s- brew up some more Conference USA rivalry smack talk. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, I, I don't know if any of us are going to solve the uh, name, image, and likeness uh, stuff that's uh, hitting the college football world at a uh, at a rapid pace, uh, I guess is the best way to put it. And I don't know what to expect from it. But hey, as far as rivalries go in Conference USA, uh, I'm sure we can get some cranked up here tonight. Yeah, there we go. We're gonna have to put that into our. That'll be our new intro section, just completely unannounced. Uh, drop your best smack talk against any Conference USA team. Yes, it would be golden. There you go. Well, we'll let you off easy. The next guy. The next guy, he's on. Unless you have someone you want to go at, right? Like, if you've got some, like, right off the top, you want to go at somebody, like, let's get this started strong. Yeah, I don't know. I think we'll hold it later in the show. I don't know if I have okay, okay. a guy or a, I think it's more of a program. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily my dislike for UTSA as much <laughs> as it is uh, tech fans chill out a little bit. But we'll touch on that later in the program. Is that UTSA specific or is that just a general oh, tech fans chill out? Do we need to put that out uh, there <laughs> before possibly. we get into the pre? Tech, tech fans have an issue with uh, they like to anoint certain programs uh, based on previous year's results. And uh, that's not really the avenue that I choose to go down too often. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll start yeah, with. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll start with uh, Louisiana Tech's previous year results. And uh, 2020 was weird. That, that kind of goes without saying. We know that. But kind of walking through that season with the Bulldogs and then getting into the spring and coming to the fall, kind of what's the the kind of the elevator speech of, of where is the program at right now and kind of kind of what's the feel for, for Tech? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good question. Obviously, we're headed into year nine of the Skip Holtz era. Nine? Um, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy when you say it like that, you know, nine years. Um, I can't tell you the last time. Uh, I guess you'd have to go to back to Jack Bignell back in the early 2000s uh, that Tech had a coach that had been with the program for that long. And Skip's had a lot of success uh, throughout his career at Louisiana Tech, obviously uh, seven consecutive bowl games. But, you know, going back to 2020, and you talk about the, the oddities of the year, the, the differences – uh, with the pandemic surrounding it. And, and listen, I'll, I'll be up front with you. Obviously, we watch a lot of Conference USA football, but we're not necessarily uh, on the beat uh, of these different programs or following them as closely. But, uh, you know, like many programs, Louisiana Tech was hit hard. You know, prior to the year, uh, starting left tackle, Willie Allen opts out. He's an NFL guy. He opts to transfer to Michigan. Uh, now he's at UMass, so uh, you can imagine how that decision went for him. Uh, the right tackle, Anton Lewis, comes in overweight. Running back, Justin Henderson, comes in overweight. You're also breaking in a new quarterback in Luke Anthony. You didn't get any spring practice. 
you got new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. Oh, by the way, you're also replacing 10 starters on the defensive side of the football from a 10 win team in 2019. So there was a lot of different obstacles for Louisiana Tech to overcome. We also had a hurricane uh, come through here in Ruston, which, uh, if you're about to say, that was. You hadn't even got to the hurricane. Yeah, just that a minor a thing. <laughs> yeah, well, and if you're familiar with where Ruston is, it's it's nowhere near the coast. I mean, it's not like we're in the Gulf. Uh, we're nowhere near the coast. And, you know, my family, I remember, you know, we were sitting at the house watching. And it's like you had 75, 80-mile-an-hour winds uh, here in Ruston. It's like, this is insane. Like, this is the craziest thing. I think we were without power uh, for 48 to 72 hours. Of course, it was... 95 degrees here in August, so uh, you can imagine how that went. It was just it was a really crazy year. As uh, obviously Tech won five games, they finished the year five and five, got beat uh, pretty bad by Georgia Southern in the New Orleans Bowl. But there there were some positives throughout the year. Uh, a double overtime win over UAB at home, uh, late w- victory in the final seconds against Southern Miss. So there were some ups and downs, uh, like most programs. But it, it was. Um, in every stretch of the imagination, it was as crazy of a college football season uh, as we could ever imagine. That's wild. Just thinking five and five, Rice played five games. It's still every time we have somebody on and they talk about getting to sit through eight, nine, ten games, I'm like, wait a second. Did y'all play the same season that Rice did? Yeah, well, and, and two, you know, Tech had played, uh, I want to say they had played seven games with, that, with relatively no you know, interruptions. I know they had, you know, they added BYU once the season had started, but they played seven games and then they had a 33-day layoff. uh, Yeah, they missed like all of November, right? Yes, correct. Between the UAB game, which was played on Halloween, to when they played North Texas, when they played TCU to close out the regular season, and of course the bowl game. But yeah, like we said, you just couldn't make up last season. And that's, that's the thing I tell people. It's like, can you really draw a whole lot from last year? Like, th- there were so many different variables that you're not used to dealing with. How much can you truly draw from a season like last year when players were in and out of the lineup? You didn't know who was going to be in your 2D from week to week. Uh, it's just a lot of crazy craziness really involving all any football program. You could go high school, college, or pro uh, on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, what was the TCU game scheduling like? Because that was one that was not on the books and then kind of last minute. That was around the end when everybody else in Conference USA was kind of winding down their seasons except for the teams that were uh, going to the the conference championship. And Tech was just like, I think we're going to play TCU. Yeah, I think it's it's similar to uh, really going back to the BYU game as well. BYU and TCU is similar to... You're in a pandemic. You're not getting a lot of fans in the stadium. How can we make up some of the revenue losses? Oh, wait, BYU will pay us. Oh, wait, TCU will pay us. We got to take the game. You kind of hate throwing your players to the wolves in a sense, but that's really all it boiled down to. That's why they played the TCU game was so that they could collect a paycheck. Yeah, I mean, I hate to put it that way, but bottom line, that's what it boiled down to. I mean, you had FCS teams like Central Arkansas that were just like playing everybody they could find yeah. during the fall, separately from having the whole FCS spring season, just because. I mean, they count on those checks for their their athletic budget, and even more so in a year where you're losing all the other revenue. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think that's what it boiled down to. And you know, you you play TCU 
uh, which, you know, let's be honest, we were a middle-of-the-pack Big 12 school at, at that point in the year. I think Max Duggan uh, had really come on at the quarterback spot. But also at the same time, like schools, especially when you're a Louisiana Tech in-conference USA, at that point in the year, you're really banged up uh, just from the bumps and bruises of the season. And then, of course, you got guys opting out, uh, COVID keeping guys out as well. Uh, just really wasn't a great time to probably face off with them, as you could possibly tell by the 52-10 to 10 final. Oh, man, was it that bad? Yes, it was pretty <laughs> rough. Oh goodness! So, so what? Bring me. That's a lot of uh, hard, hard news. Kind of give me, give me some of the the tea leaves from, from spring and and kind of picking up the pieces from from twenty twenty. What are kind of some of the takeaways and and things that you kind of learned? Hopefully, problems that were solved. Yeah, I think it, that's been the big thing. It's been a really positive off season. I think you've seen uh, from a team chemistry standpoint, you can kind of tell the togetherness of the team this spring, the upbeat attitude. Uh, and listen, we can understand why they were like that back in 2020 with everything that uh, not only they were going through, but, you know, really all of us. But uh, they've added three SEC defensive backs uh, in the defensive backfield. Uh, they'll start Balin Buchanan, a cornerback from Tennessee, started 12 games at corner uh, for Tennessee. Miles Mason's a safety out of Arkansas. He's really that third safety for Arkansas a year ago. Was looking for more of a starting role. Uh, then Elijah Hamilton's a, a bigger, more physical, uh, six foot two type, two hundred ten pound type corner uh, to give some depth on that back end. They really struggled on third down, and I, there was a lack of talent. Obviously, when you lose a Meek Robertson, Legarius Sneed to the NFL, uh, you're going to take a step back. But and some of it too was, like I mentioned in the open, you're breaking in a new defensive coordinator. You don't get a spring. You don't get a summer. How creative can you really be on the back end? So adding those three guys is real positive. Uh, you look at the offensive line, uh, really, really struggled throughout the year. I, I would say it's probably uh, the worst offensive line unit that we've seen uh, in Rusty, especially since Skip Holtz took over back in 2013. Just couldn't protect the quarterback, couldn't run the football. Robert McFarland moved on uh, from his offensive line coach position. They hire Dave DeGuglielmo, we'll, we'll stick with Coach Googe, uh for the, we'll call him Coach Googe. We'll, we'll too difficult to say Dave DeGuglielmo. Uh but 18 years of NFL experience, uh, won Super Bowls with Elon Manning, Tom Brady, uh, spent some time with the Colts, the Dolphins, a uh, number of different NFL franchises he's brought in. They've added three grad transfers up front. Uh, when you talk about Sam Williams from ULM, I think he's got 13 career starts. Uh, Chris Fournier is a left tackle from Lehigh. Uh, I think he has 23 career starts. And then uh, Kelton Hollins uh, didn't play a huge role at TCU at guard in 2020, uh, but played about 800 snaps in 2019. So as they try to solidify that unit, uh, a unit, like I said, a lot of guys in and out of the lineup in 2020, but I think they're in good hands this year. Receiver, they've added Samuel Emelis, uh He's more of a specialty type, return type guy uh, from UMass. Jared Means is a transfer from Tennessee that will be eligible in 2021. And then, of course, they've added the transfer running back, uh, Marcus Williams from Appalachian State. I think he had over 2,000 yards, 14 touchdowns in his career at App State. So they really hit the transfer portal hard, and he returned really most of last year's roster. Uh, so many different young guys got valuable, valuable playing time. 
Uh, and I, I think, you know, I've seen some different over and unders, four, four and a half, five wins. I, I'll be honest with you, and this is me taking off my homer cap. That's the easiest over in college football. This team's going to be a lot better than four and eight, five and seven. Well, there's a couple things in there. First, we have Rice has the Marquez Tuiasasopo. Yes. So that's our Co- offensive coordinator. Coach Tui. Coach Tui. Yes. So, yeah, joining that club. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm, I'm probably not going to have to say that too often. So there's that. And then I wanted to ask you, you kind of were going through the the transfer portal and all those names. This is kind of, and I think we're still, are we, was this just year three, maybe, yes, of the transfer portal, something yes, like that? Yeah. And everybody's kind of feeling out what makes sense. What do you kind of, to make of, of Skip, kind of bringing in because he's always been a guy that's that's plucked a couple transfers here and there um, but so many transfers coming in uh, in this year with everything going on uh, what's kind of your feel on that situation yeah I think this is kind of the model I, I don't know if it's a g5 model if every school is going to take this model but I think tech for the foreseeable future at least under holds it's going to be uh, signed 10 to 12 high school guys JC guys and then go hit that transfer portal. You know, like I said, they weren't very good in the secondary back in 2020. You go get three guys in the secondary, uh, you know, Miles Mason, Baylon Buchanan, Elijah Hamilton, three guys that have played a lot in the SEC. They take a step down into Conference USA, probably guys that are going to have some success. So I think that's something uh, that you're going to see Tech try to do year after year. And like you mentioned, they've They've had some success in years past. You talk about a Jeff Driscoll or Cody Sokol, uh, some of those type guys when they came in. Paul Turner came in from LSU, had some success as well at receiver. Uh, they've had some success in that era. We know the Holt name carries a lot of weight in the college football world, so he's got a tremendous amount of connections. But I think this is a thing that you'll see Tech add 10, 12 transfers. And I'll be honest with you, uh, as we sit here on June 30th, I don't think Tech's done adding in the transfer portal. I think you'll possibly see them add a corner, uh, possibly another running back, and possibly a quarterback uh, here in the next week or so before the second summer session starts. I would say that's crazy to go add a quarterback in June, July, but Rice did that literally like a week and a half ago. ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think, too, from Louisiana Tech's perspective, you guys are aware Luke Anthony goes down with the – the leg injury in December, he has the surgery. They say he's going to be back. I think if you did see them add a quarterback, that would give you uh, kind of some insight as far as, all right, is Luke going to be ready? Is he not going to be ready? Uh, would they go with Aaron Allen? Personally, I don't think so. I like Aaron Allen. He's a great kid. But he also played 300 snaps last year, four touchdowns, eight interceptions. Is he that next guy as a redshirt sophomore? Do you really want to throw a true freshman and J.D. Head to the Wolves right out of the gate when you start the year with Mississippi State, SMU, you know, some of those type schools in the first few weeks of the year? I I think that would be more of the insight if they do add a quarterback. It's more of Luke Anthony's probably uh, not as far along as they would have hoped. And that was a really strange situation last year. Uh, we talked with Matthew Bruni a couple weeks ago about North Texas and their quarterback situation and just kind of seemingly going back and forth. A CUSA at, school that had a weird quarterback situation in 2020. Shocking, huh? The, the song writes itself. <laughs> no way. No way. <laughs> no, but, yeah, and you yeah, know what, what they did. 
Yeah, listen, it's not the ideal model. I think, you know, we talked to Coach Holtz throughout the year, and he can tell you the same thing. It's not, it's not something that he wanted to do. He obviously wanted one of those guys to take the job. And you go back to the season opener, and, you know, Anthony leads you back in the fourth quarter. You beat Southern Miss late, and it's like, all right, well, he's our starting quarterback. But then, you know, he has his ups and downs. Allen leads the late comeback against UAB. But then he was, you know, not very good in the bowl game against Georgia Southern. It was just, it was a culmination of things. No spring, no summer. The O-line's terrible. Justin Henderson's out of shape. Uh, how far along was Luke Anthony within the offense uh, being a transfer coming over from Abilene Christian? I think Holt said, you know what? Neither one of these guys has taken the job, so I'm going to play two guys. It's not the ideal way to do it. And I don't think you'll see him do it again in 2021. But, uh, like we said, nothing made sense about last year. It just didn't. But how confident, I guess, are you? Because I, I've heard this story before of, you know, we did what we had to do last year, but this year's going to be different. And then we get to this year, and then a lot of the times it's, it's just not very different. Yeah, listen, I, I think the offense will be tremendously improved. I, I think that. Uh, adding Marcus Williams at running back, adding the three grad transfers up front uh, on the offensive line is going to solidify some things. You return Abraham Delphin, you return Josh Moat, uh, the two freshman tackles, Dakota White, Walker Hankinson got, uh, you know, 300-plus snaps of great experience last year, showed a lot of growth throughout the last three, four weeks of the year. Um, I think the offensive line play plus the running backs being improved, that's going to allow the quarterback to show that they truly are better than what they are. Like I said, I think Tech adds a transfer in the next few days. We'll see if you kind of catch what I'm saying. But I'm not sure the starting quarterback for Tech is on his roster just yet. Okay, and that's kind of a it, – it maybe it, maybe it's giving Skip Holtz some credit and just kind of looking at where this program has been in the past couple of years. And they had a they did have some stability – at quarterback before it was this rotation, but I, I kind of am more willing to kind of give credence to the passing offense being all right, especially with some of the playmakers they are. Uh, I'm kind of more curious about how that running game, and because I think for Louisiana Tech, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it, they kind of got pretty one-dimensional last year, and it, it kind of made it easy to pinpoint, well, they're going to draw back and throw it because they, well, they're not running the ball. <laughs> well, they couldn't run the ball. You know, they couldn't block anybody up front. If you ever got them a third and seven, the, the left tackle or the right tackle, one one of the defensive ends was going to run around for a pretty easy sack. And so if you can't run the ball in obvious rushing downs, I think Israel Tucker was – he was all right later in the year. But like you said, if, you, if the defense doesn't fear you, whether it's running the ball or throwing the ball, it's tough to have a lot of success. And that's why I say – and I'm being completely honest when I'm saying that. I just don't know how much you can draw from how Luke Anthony played, how Aaron Allen played. Um, the, the offensive line play was truly that bad. Uh, I'm being completely honest. It was that bad. First play of the game, they go max protection against Marshall. Seven guys blocking. They fake a handoff. Luke Anthony's loading up to go deep. Isaiah Graham's wide open. Hit, fumble. Tech never recovers. I mean, it, that was just the microcosm of the year from an offensive line perspective. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, it, now that we're getting, I guess, about halfway through kind of our, our team previews for the year, it's it's crazy how often that we've heard that story and the the teams that were able to kind of skate through and everything worked out 
are few and far between. And it's it's kind of interesting because we're kind of in the same boat with Rice playing five games. It's how how much do you do you really know about last season? And people want people want a concrete answer, but it's hard enough to kind of process and do things with a sample size of twelve games. Uh, well, and, uh, to do and it with two. less and with the turn, the churn in the in the, 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 the team that played the first game in September, who knows who was on the field in December? Well, and two, you guys are out of practice at Rice. Like, you understand it. From a fan's perspective, you don't understand that some days you would show up on a Wednesday and 44 players would be practicing. You know what I'm saying? Rice had one healthy scholarship receiver at practice by the end of the year. Certain that exactly. One. So like some of those things like and and you can't come out and say hey this guy this guy this guy and this guy didn't practice because of COVID or whatever like everything's not going to be shared and so some of it you just got to be like listen and take it for what it's worth or if the right tackle and the left tackle are out all week because they're in the protocol. Well, and then they show up on Friday afternoon after they've been sitting in their apartment all week, and it's like, hey, man, go block the 6-3 all-conference defensive end from UTSA. Good luck. You know, we're, we're going on one right here. Like, it's a little more difficult than you, it, it might seem, and that's why I, I don't necessarily engage in the, you know, are they a four-win team? Are they a six-win team? Are they an eight-win team? That doesn't matter to me. I can tell you one thing. They're not what they were last year because you truly can't evaluate it in a logical manner because you just don't have everything that went into it. Yeah, college football fans sometimes uh, have a problem properly evaluating, uh, extrapolating from sample sizes to begin with. And then <laughs> when you uh, when you take what happened last year and then try to actually pull real conclusions from that, it's... Uh, yeah, not going to necessarily lead you to um, the best, the, mo- well, the, the most predictive information, shall we say. Exactly. There's no doubt about it. And two, you know, you talk about all the guys being out. Like, if in Tech's case, if you don't have all the guys out, do you ever find that Tyler Grubbs, a linebacker, leads the team and becomes a freshman All-American? You probably don't find him until 2023. I mean, if we're being so, you know, there there was positives, there was negatives, but at the end of the day, it's just tough to really evaluate from a team perspective what you really learn. And right, I wonder, like, like Rice had, um, since we talked about in our opening for the show, um, Matt's uh, season preview for Rice, which is a an amazing document that we will once again repeat that everyone should look into. I mean, if, if you're a CUSA fan at all, so much good information in there. But um, Rice started the year with um like Miles McCord at one of the starting corner spots who was fifth on the corner depth chart and like coming out of the spring and exactly fantastic the whole year and is now gonna start this year and there's there's no way they would have known that had all the weirdness not happened. So sometimes it works out but it I had people on the staff tell me that, yeah, he was a developmental guy. We didn't think he'd ever play. Exactly. And you learn things you never thought you'd learn. And then I, I did want to, you, you brought him up. I did want to ask you about Tyler Grubbs because I got to be honest, going through the preview and I tried to put, I, I, I try and do my homework and put together all conference teams before any of the other preseason magazines come out and influence me. I just, I'm like, here's my rough thought and then I'll kind of see where things fall. 
I had a really, really hard time at, at linebacker for Conference USA. The, the, the position, they lost so much last year in the conference, and they're, there's really only a handful of guys that I'm like, this guy, this guy's really good. Uh, I put Tyler Grubb's first team linebacker in all-conference USA in preseason. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. And listen, I'll tell you, you know, throughout the first, uh, let's say, four or five years of Holtz's tenure, that was a position they really had some difficulties recruiting. Uh, it's, t- it's tough to find guys that are big enough and fast enough that can play sideline to sideline at that mid-major, you know, G5 type level uh, uh, in the era of spread offenses. And, you know, they, they had Trey Baldwin a couple years back. He started his career at Missouri. He's he's really good. He's every bit as good as, you know, Tyler Grubbs is. Uh, but you talk about Grubbs, he's not the biggest guy, he's not the fastest guy. Uh, he's probably six one. At the end of last year, he's probably 215 pounds. Uh, but just one of those guys who just grinds the football. I mean, I mean, there's there's no other way to explain it. He can get off a block. Uh, he can get the running back down if he's got him, you know, one on one in the hole. He's just a good football player. He, he's not gonna not going to be a guy that plays in the NFL, but he's probably going to have 450 tackles before he leaves Louisiana Tech, and he's probably going to be a two-time all-conference type of kid. Uh, he, he was a really big surprise. He's probably third or fourth on the depth chart, had some COVID issues at linebacker before that opener against Southern Miss. Uh, I think he made 18, 19 stops in his first career game, and it's like, well, he ain't never coming out of the lineup, and he never came out of the lineup. And it, it's Like I said, the linebacking core at Louisiana Tech as a whole it's as good as it's ever been under Holtz with Grubbs, Baldwin, uh, Tyler Fulp is a transfer from McNeese. He led McNeese with like 88 tackles uh, in 2019. He sat out last year due to the transfer rules. Mackie Carabin's a kid out of the San Antonio area uh, that played a lot last year as a redshirt freshman. Those top four are really good. And then really the highest-rated recruit uh, was Alan Walker, a kid out of Georgia, uh, I think he was like the number 30 linebacker coming out of Georgia, which, you know, we can draw our conclusions as far as how valuable it is if you're the 30th ranked linebacker in the country. But he's a guy that's going to be the fifth linebacker this year. And so uh, it's been a position they've done really good at, and it's it's led by Tyler Grubbs, who uh, due to the COVID year, he'll be another true freshman uh, here in 2021 leading that take defense. Yeah, I think it was it's just – and it's interesting because – Last year, just kind of going through stuff, they just kind of a it was about middle of the road. Some teams were bringing back a lot. Some teams weren't bringing back hardly any on offense and defense. And about, you know, 50-50 was kind of where things stood. I was kind of looking at pr- returning production this year. And across the board, on defense in, in Conference USA, we have a lot coming back from just about every team. It, it, there's a couple couple key players here and there that are missing. Rice is without Blaze Aldridge. Uh, but that side of the ball, uh, honestly, it looks a, a lot more stocked with talent than we've seen in years past. I guess maybe exception at linebacker. Uh, what have you kind of seen? You mentioned all the transfers coming in, but with that extra year of eligibility because of COVID and everything going on, what's the roster kind of construction look like for Tech right now? Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I think when you look at the 85 fans, you're probably looking at um, you know, 15 seniors, 15 juniors, 15 sophomores, uh, which that gets you to 45, and then you're probably looking at 40 freshmen and redshirt freshmen. And obviously, you know, some of the, those guys are a Tyler Grubbs or a Cedric Woods uh, or a Dakota White or a Walker Hankinson or 
you know, some of those guys that have played a lot of football as a freshman and, and some of those others are some younger guys that haven't played a lot of football. But uh, it's a young team on paper, but it's more experience due to the COVID free year. Uh, if you just look at it from a blanket classification standpoint. Uh, but like I said, if you want to look at concerns for this team, quarterback, do they find a guy? Is Anthony healthy? Uh, is the offensive line as improved as we think it might be? You've added three grad transfers. You've added an offensive line coach who spent 18 years in the NFL. If they're not going to get any better, will they ever? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I don't know what more you could do in an offseason to address that position. And then defensively, um, David Blackwell, he's an attacking defensive coordinator. He had to run a lot of 3D zone coverage last year. Didn't have any corners that could play man-to-man with any sort of success. So he's went out. He's got a Baylor Buchanan. He's got a Elijah Hamilton. Cedric Woods is a year older. Uh, like I said, I would expect they'll add an additional corner here uh, the next week or so. So they'll be deeper at corner. They'll play more man-to-man. But if they can't get a pass rush up front, they've added Rasheed Lyles transfer from Jackson State, uh, really athletic, 6'2", 270 uh, type of kid. You know, obviously you lose Milton Williams, who's a third-round NFL draft pick. Uh, he's a huge loss, which he's the only starter that's not back. But if you can't get pressure up front, it's going to be tough to rely on those defensive backs to cover for four or five seconds at a time. I think that's the big concern for me defensively. Can they get enough pressure with their front four or five guys. Yeah, Milt Williams, I believe he was the highest drafted Conference USA player yes. in the draft, third round pick. And then I don't think we've even, even hit on yet. Probably someone who, if you would have told me two years ago that this guy was gone, uh, would have been a, a huge miss. But we haven't even touched on Adrian Hardy a little bit. He kind of faded out a little bit at the end. Yeah, I think it was... It, Probably, uh, you know, he had the big sophomore year in 2018, obviously 1,000 yards, but gets 75 catches, uh, six touchdowns, and, you know, uh, had some off-the-field issues in 2019, uh, missed, I believe, three games due to suspension 2020, got off to a nice start, uh, had a nice game at Southern Miss, was, you know, he was the number one guy, and then, like you said, we hit the 33-day layoff, and he decided he was going to start preparing for the NFL draft. I don't think he got drafted. I don't think he signed anywhere. But, listen, I think sometimes that happens when you lose focus after a big sophomore year and you don't really grind it and see it all the way through. And that's a that's a question for him, too, on offense is, who's that go-to guy at receiver on third and six that can be press coverage outside? I don't have the answer for you right now. But if they don't find that answer by October the 1st, that's something that could be uh, something that's pretty glaring, you know, really every Saturday in conference play. It's not just going to be, let's throw the ball to Smoke Harris and watch him run circles around people? I don't. Th- I think they would like for that to be the plan. Listen, I'll be honest. I think this is going to be an offense that you're going to see run the ball uh, 40, 42 times a game. And they're going to play play action off of it. I think it's going to be similar to that 2019 offense when they handed the ball to Justin Henderson time after time after time. And then when you decided you were going to walk your safeties down in the box, that's when they go play action. You see Griffin Bear streaking across the field or Malik Stanley back in 2019. I think that's what they're loading up for this offense to be here in 2021. They want to run the football. 
establish some physicality up front. I mean, it's a good plan. I've I've heard all those marching orders before, right? Yes. Play play tougher, faster, stronger, yeah. smarter. <laughs> New coordinators. <laughs> but I mean, I guess we'll see, right? And then I guess I guess closing out, I do want to ask you a little bit more about the defense. Obviously, the secondary is rebuilt, brand new. You got Tyler Grubbs in the middle, and you got some guys on the defensive line, and, and some coming back. Kind of, what's your your confidence level? If you kind of had to rank those three levels of defense, which one are you? Do you have the most confidence in, and, and then what, what's kind of your your higher concern? Yeah, I think the most confidence is probably uh, the linebackers, uh, and then the least confident is the defensive line, just because. Where are those sacks coming from? Is Deshaun Hall the guy that's ready to take a step forward? Uh, Willie Baker opted out a year ago, dealt with an ACL as well. Uh, where is he at from a physicality standpoint as a pass rusher? Is Michael Clark uh, a kid that can rush the passer off the edge? Uh, Levi Bell is a former walk-on uh, from Tyler Junior College, five foot eleven, two hundred eighty pounds, but. Uh, he's a mean son of a gun, I'll be honest with you. And uh, he'll, he'll play defensive tackle. So where does the pass rush come from? And to be completely honest, I think the secondary could end up being a strength. Obviously, B.J. Williamson was a first-team all-conference kid at safety a year ago as a sophomore. Um, we mentioned Miles Mason. We mentioned Buchanan. We mentioned Hamilton. Uh, Jaden Cole's a year older. Uh, he was a kid that was highly recruited. Played quarterback in high school. The transition to safety hasn't been as seamless as I think most expected it to be. Khalil Ladler was a transfer from Virginia Tech last year. He's going to be more comfortable. There's no doubt. He just wasn't comfortable in the system because he didn't have any chances to get kind of settled into it. So they got some guys on that back end that can really play. It's just how quickly can those guys jail? Which guys prove that they can play man-to-man? And, and truly, if they prove that they can play man-to-man, the defensive line can become less of a concern because Blackwell can bring some pressure. And I think that, you know, there's always that balance the defensive coordinators fight with. You know, we saw it, you know, back, you go back to 2014 with Manny Diaz, when he was a defense coordinator, it felt like he built, brought pressure 65% of the time. Well, go to 2019, Bob Diaco's the defensive coordinator, and he was in a three-down front dropping eight nearly every snap because it didn't matter because he had a Meek Robertson and a Jerry Sneed in the secondary. So every defensive coordinator does it differently, but this defensively it all hinges on what can this defensive line do from a pass-rushing perspective. And I think you mentioned the, the assimilation factor. I think it's interesting, and, and this is not unique. I think a lot of Conference USA teams kind of schedule this way, but but right out of the gate, Mississippi State, SMU, I think NC State is the fifth or sixth game there. It's Is it, is it going to be, I know you got some SEC defensive backs now, but is it going to be yeah, kind of trial by fire, hopefully? No, there's zero <laughs> doubt. I mean, you look up week five during the season, it wouldn't surprise anybody if they had the worst pass defense in the country. I mean, you play Mississippi State, you play SMU, we know how often Sonny Dykes wants to throw the football. Even southeastern Louisiana, uh, Cole Kelly, the former Arkansas quarterback, is leading that offense uh, down in Hammond, Louisiana. Go. So, like, I mean, yeah, they're going to play some really good offenses throughout the first four or five weeks of the season before the schedule will lighten up some through the middle to the end portion of the year. So, 
Yeah, they're going to be tested right out of the gate. You know Mike Leach is going to throw it 65 times in week one. And, hey, hopefully it's Jack Abraham throwing it to the other team. <laughs> oh, did he end I, up there? That's oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he did. Oh, man. That would be the most Mike Leach move ever. Turn Jack Abraham into a successful. A oh, I know. Don't get me started. <laughs> Well, based on how well they handled it last year, you might want your team dropping dropping eight against uh, <laughs> against Mississippi State because that because the the moment you start, the moment teams realized that that was what they were supposed to be doing against that team, they just that they they stopped being able to do anything. Goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness! There you go. That's funny. You never these tangents, man. It's funny because we get we kind of learn these kids' names. When they're freshman, sophomore, you know, kind of make their mark on the college football world, and then they move on somewhere and they resurface. <laughs> and it's yes. just, uh, I swear, uh, Garrett Gilbert was at SMU for about six years and started his career in Texas. Yeah. Well, you mentioned hey. you mentioned Driscoll earlier, and I was like, oh yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That's pretty crazy. All right, so kind of big picture, if we're landing the plane here, you mentioned. You know, uh, win totals not being a big deal, I don't, but or at least for you, kind of evaluating this team. But w- maybe it's not a win. I, I'm not asking you for a number, but if you look back at the 2021 season, like what does a successful season look like for Louisiana Tech? You know, how how do you kind of how will you have that warm fuzzy feeling by the time you get to December? Yeah, I think you're. I think you're probably seeing eight four, eight four, nine and three. Uh, come late November, you, you need to be in the mix. I mean, to play in a conference championship game. I, I listen, that's the expectation. I, I mean, Holton's been here for eight years. Uh, I think I mentioned it, you know, when we were doing some of the previews, uh, for the magazine you guys do. Like, uh, that's the one thing that has eluded this program since they entered Conference USA has been winning a conference championship. And so, regardless of who's a quarterback, regardless of who's playing offensive line, regardless of who's playing any position on the field, that's the expectation for Skip Holtz from a fan base perspective entering 2021 is you need to be in Conference USA Championship contention come late November, early December. Yeah, but this isn't a, a Doc Holiday Marshall situation no, where the, I don't the con- think so. well, 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 the con- his contract like literally just like oh it ran out and and he was gone. Doesn't yep. does Skip have the like auto renewing forever contract? Right. Yes, he does. Ah, uh, the Mark Stoops win, model. Win uh, it's eight games and you get the old extra year added though. So there you go. So that number has significance beyond the fan base. <laughs> exactly. There's zero doubt. So that's funny, and I, and I think that'll be interesting. We we'll close you out here with the lightning round that we play with anybody, everybody. We didn't prep you, so that's probably a good thing. Uh, you, we're kind of scoring everybody as they go through, and the right answer is completely subjective. So we'll let you know how you do. Um, but kind of first first thing off the top of your head, kind of we'll run through these as quick as we can, and we'll see what happens. Does that sound good? Let's, let's go for it. All right, we're talking Louisiana Tech with Ben Carlisle, and here we go. Who leads the team in touchdowns this year? We'll start you easy. Marcus Williams, Appalachian State transfer running back. You didn't sound very confident. Yes, I did not. 
I was thinking receiver, but I'm going Marcus Williams. All right, probably a safe bet if they're going to run the football that many times. Yes. Then how about defense? Who leads the team in sacks? Oh, wow. Um, say Deshaun Hall. Won't be a high total. I'm going to say five or six. All right. And then I added this one last week, uh, spurred by Southern Miss conversation. <laughs> Best mascot in Conference USA. Ooh. Honestly, there's not a lot of great mascots in Conference USA. Um, I'd never pick UAB. Um, Is this like I, the insignia or like the actual dragon that they have walking around? Um, both. Um, I'd never pick a mean green. I'm not sure what that really is. Um, do they have? Oh, yeah, yeah, they have the eagle. Oh, okay. Uh, would not go with the road runners. Oh, man, I'm not real sure. Let's let's give FIU a shout out. The Panthers. I had to think about that for a second. Okay. I cover FIU. They don't they don't get a lot of love. <laughs> they don't get a lot of love. We'll show them a little love tonight. All right, that's fair. And then, uh, who who won't be a preseason All Conference selection for Tech, uh, but should be? Ooh, who won't be, but should be? Jawan Johnson at receiver. Okay. Why him? Um, he's a kid. He's uber talented. Uh, was behind Hardy. Was behind a Bear. Uh, a year ago this year, he'll move into Hardy's spot at outside receiver. Uh, we saw he had a couple of big catches against UAB uh, in that October 31st comeback game. I think this will be the year uh, where he really steps up and becomes a guy that catches 50, 60 balls uh, from his outside receiver spot. All right. And then now we're stepping back. If, if Louisiana Tech, take them out. If Louisiana Tech doesn't win the West this year, who does? a lot of, you know, is McCaffrey good enough for Rice? You can pick uh, Rice. Uh, the brownie <laughs> points might be headed, headed out. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't believe in Frank Harris at UTSA. I don't believe in Austin Ani at North Texas. Um, it's not a murderer's row of quarterbacks. It's not. I mean, returning. if you even look at UAB, they're, I mean, they're winning with running the football and defense. I don't think anybody denies that that's who they're going to. I mean, I guess yeah. I'm going to go UAB by default, but I hope it's someone other than UAB because I'm tired of seeing them win it. <laughs> and quite frankly, they're so boring to watch. Yeah, I, we were, we've had this conversation before, but I think it's interesting. And I'm pulling up right now. You know, Frank Harris is the number two leading passer returning in Conference USA. I think that's the problem. With the league as a whole. <laughs> Listen, I will say this. I think the play, some of the quarterback play will be in, improved. You talked about the kids uh, that transferred to Western Kentucky. Uh, Ailey Zappi, yeah. Z- Zappi's going to be the first team all-conference quarterback, I believe. I'm yeah, not a Grant, are y'all Grant Wells guy. I'm not a Grant Wells guy. I, I, I was intrigued by him, and then I saw him completely fall apart against Rice. Not sure he's a pure enough passer, which I believe you could say for probably 10 of the 14 quarterbacks in this league. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I even if Luke McCaffrey is great at Rice, 
would not say that about him. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of guys that are just. I mean, they can have great days, but are they guys that are 68 percent completion guys? I just don't see it. Yeah, maybe not anymore. We don't have Jack Abraham. That is very true. <laughs> to go along with his 12 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. (laughs) All right. Uh, If Tech doesn't win Conference USA as a whole, whole league, uh, who does? I'm going to go Dark Horse. I'm going to say Western Kentucky. I thought you were going FIU again. No, Panthers. We're we're believing in the Houston Baptist infusion here. Uh, I I like it. I respect it. Yeah, they were were the truth last. He came to Ruston last year. The kid can throw the heck out of the football. Like, I think it's probably a little shady how he ended up in Bowling Green, but the college football world <laughs> along, we live in. Along with, his, along with his entire offense, like yes, from yes. players to coaching staff. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, hey, that's college football these days. Hey, does does how does this work? Does Houston Baptist get to claim a transitive yes. conference championship yes. if, yes. if Western yes. goes out and wins? Yes. I, I'm sure he's just sad that he doesn't get to play in a stadium that has a CVS on one side of it that's visible from the stands anymore. I'm just going to bring that. I, I have said that in recent shows, and I'm just going to bring it up every it's possible opportunity. It's absolutely the most hilarious college football thing that I have. That just it's right there. Like yep, it's, it is. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been out to Bowling Green yet. Uh, any CVS around there? Or stadium? We need to. Uh, they might uh, should put a CBS might help them with uh, getting yeah. fans into that place. <laughs> but, uh... Uh, there you go. All right, Just last one. Home, you know, Skip Holtz. It's twenty twenty four. Is he the head coach at Louisiana Tech? Ooh. I'm gonna say no. Interesting. That's kind of where we've been drawing the line with folks. Two to three years out, it's been kind of a mixed bag, and most people say no. Either for good uh, or for bad. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily say that he, he'll do a bad job. I just, I don't know. That'd be three more years. He'd be finished up with eleven years in Ruston. Yeah, I don't think he's here in twenty twenty four. You don't think anybody set out in their coaching career and said one day I hope to coach eleven years in Ruston? No, I don't. But I will say this: <laughs> if he is still here in twenty twenty four, he. Uh, might be on his way to a statue of some sort. I just think that <laughs> like, like he's really rolling if he's still going. He's a fun guy. I enjoyed chatting with him at, at Media Days and such. He's, he, he, he's awesome. Never never boring. You got a lot of coaches that I man, like uh, we'll find like Seth Seth Latrell at North Texas will give you the PC answer every time. Yeah. You know, we're just gonna try everybody and we're gonna play and it's gonna be great. Um Skip but again, you gonna ever play hard nose defense, you know, yeah, yeah, execute that on offense. So. Yeah, there are other guys, and I probably shouldn't pick on Seth, but that it's just I feel like every conversation that's how it feels like. But but Skip, he gave me he gave me the best analogy for Conference USA that I've ever heard, and I probably said on the podcast, but this was probably two or three years ago at this point. Uh, he said Conference USA is like NASCAR; everybody has the same car. It's all about who drives it best. It's perfect. I can agree with that. The talent level between difference between te- two teams, not much. Yeah. Not much. I was unless, like, oh, unless, unless, huh. what? Unless you're t- <laughs> speaking true. of next week. <laughs> 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 All 
All right, man. Well, we do appreciate you coming on. Uh, let everybody know where can we find you, follow Louisiana Tech and everything else that's going on uh, with you guys. Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Bleed Tech Blue. You can join us at our website, bleedtechblue.com. It's just nine ninety five a month. And uh, busy June with uh, recruits back on campus. And uh, yes, fall camp's right around the corner in just a month. Appreciate it, fellas. I yeah. believe it, man. Uh, glad to have you on. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, thanks to all the listeners for sticking with us through this. Uh, we'll be back next week. Keep on uh, marching towards the 2021 season. So uh, we'll see y'all then. And Rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.